All right, I'm going to get going. Get everybody out of here for lunch. Got to beat all the Baptist folk. You know, they got two services now. They got that early service to be letting out anytime now. We got to watch out for them. Those are early risers, you know. We don't have to worry about any Pentecostal church. They won't get out till like 1.30 or 2 o'clock. Even if they're having service or not, they're scared anybody else will see them, you know. Hey, I'm Pentecostal. That's me too, but if I can't make fun of my own, that's, you know, come on. Uh, no, but I'm, 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 uh, I've, I've been sitting on, ooh, I hear a little feedback. I've been sitting on um, this message for a little bit, and uh, I, think, I think mainly because I've kind of been talking about it off and on. I've been talking about a lot of what God's uh, been putting on my heart over the last, uh, since probably October. Um, I don't think I've been excited about something in a long time just because I hadn't had direction from God. And and, and if you don't know this enough about me right now, is that I'm, I'm one of those guys that I, I'm not going to make something up for us to, to, uh, to like, lead. Like, I, I want to know what God is telling me. I'm, I'm more of a, uh, well, everybody knows I'm, I was a Marine. Being a Marine, one of the easiest things that has come to me in Christianity is, it's pretty simple, just do what you're told. Like, I found out in the Marine Corps that if I just did what I was told, life was pretty easy, actually, in the Marine Corps, if I just did what I was told. And uh, so when I kind of apply that to Christianity, one of the things that I found in ministry as well, that if I would just wait on whatever the Lord said to do, that it was pretty easy. Like I could just be confident, well, I know that I'm supposed to do this because the Lord said to do this, and I'm not going to worry about the end result or whether I accomplish it, because if, by the way, a God work can't be accomplished by you. That's why it's called a God work, (laughs) right? So I never worried about whether it was possible. Of course, it's not possible for me to do some of those things that God is asking me to do. Um, uh, for instance, years back, God had given me um, a couple of numbers in raising uh, missions money. It was I remember God telling me for the next three years, 4, 8, and 12. And considering that the previous year before I walked into that ministry, the missions offering was $1,000. So God, you want me to quadruple it the first year. Then you want me to double that and then, and then add another four to that. Like, they just only did 1000 you know, like that seems impossible. But the question was not whether it was possible. The question was, what did God tell me to do? And then it's going to take work to get there. And it wasn't just me that worked. God sent helpers to do the work. God sent uh, people to offer up the finances. God sent uh, people with like minds and like visions and like passions. And uh, although when he told me that, he didn't share any of that part, right? That the faith part carries you through to the end. And then guess what? Every year we, we met that goal. Well, not because I said it, not because I was awesome ministry, and not because I pulled all these people together. No, God sent people. I mean, I remember the first day we announced we were going to do the 4,000, there was a couple in church that said, right off the bat, we're going to give you a trailer and we're going to start with 1,500 bucks. And I thought, great. I mean, that's pretty awesome. Uh, we've got the first you know, thing figured out. That's great. Um, but like I remember, like I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't know these people. They only were in the church for six months, and then they were gone. We never saw them again, you know, kind of thing. And and but they were there just to help me in that moment. Like God sent them there just for that moment to encourage me as we step foot into the unknown, kind of thing. And and so we're approaching another year. And I'm uh, uh, been I, I believe uh, heard from the Lord at least uh, uh, as to what that year needs to to happen. And and the goal for which we strive towards, and I don't have a timeline. It'll happen when God says it's going to happen, and I don't know how it's all going to happen. All these things will take place. We are going to formulate some things, and I'm going to talk about that this morning, but 
the, the big thing coming here this morning is I want to, uh, 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 you know, recognize that this year has passed. I can't make up for anything we haven't done already. Uh, there's a piece of me that now that I know the future, I'm like, what the heck? Why did I, why did I make some of the decisions I made in the past? Well, because God hadn't spoken to me yet. And, uh, but as this year passed, another one begins. And another opportunity uh, looks us in the face. And, uh, 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 and the one thing that I'm reminded of, I think, when I look at this year, is that the one constant is time. Time never stops moving, does it? I mean, it just no matter what, uh, it's the one constant. It never stops. It, it never goes away. Uh, it never waits. It just keeps moving and it keeps rolling. And uh, I notice that I just keep getting older no matter what. Every morning I just get older. I watch my kids get older, especially now that I got my one in from college. And then she's going to leave again and we're back to a four uh, a person family in the house, and we hate it. We decided we like our fifth daughter, you know, our oldest being in the house. Yes. <clears throat> and I just keep watching, right? I'm getting older. My kids are getting older. The world just keeps changing, and the world I grew up in is not the world I recognize, right, today. Amen. I mean, that's all of us, right? Um, and I can't tell you what tomorrow holds. I can't tell you what the next year is going to be like. But I mean, it, 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 I, you know, it's become a cliche, but I can tell you who holds the future, right? I can tell you who does know what tomorrow holds. I can't tell you the difficulties uh, that we're going to face in this new year. I can tell for us it's going to be a transmission. <laughs> what the, whatever that is for you, I'm sure God's got a transmission for you. I mean, you know, I mean, I hate to say that, but like that's just the, the truth of life, right? That there are difficulties that we face, right? But I can tell you this, too. You will persevere. You will persevere because it's about it's you. It's God working with you and through you. Right. So my wife's been consulting uh, me a little bit uh, over, um, uh, you know, exaggeration of certain events and stories. She's she's kind of been telling me, like, you exaggerate sometimes in some of the stories that you tell and things. And I try to tell her, like, I exaggerate sometimes to express the story to a, to a grand thing but but the truth is I'm glad she's doing it uh when we when or when I exaggerate uh, or anybody exaggerates a little bit excessively it devalues the words we use right so if I tell you and, and y'all know this is kind of my pet peeve thing but if I tell you that this is going to be your best year yet and I keep telling you that this next year is going to be your best year yet and guess what 2019 is going to be your best year yet you know what you're going to start to think that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard every year is the best year Obviously, your best year doesn't mean the same thing as my best year, right? It just devalues the words we use. Uh, but here's what I would say to the coming of a new year and even recognizing the one passing is that um, everything is a season. I look at everything as a season in life. And, and some seasons are more trying than others. And some seasons are just better than others, right? Everybody has golden memories of something where it was a great time. And those times pass. And then... Whatever happens, happens, and then more great times come. But everything is a, a season. And, uh, but I think the big question when you're talking about a new year is what about the next season, right? I think that's uh, the real question. What's ahead for you? What's ahead for me, my family, for your family? What's ahead for our community? What's ahead for our church? And, and, I, and I've been honest to say that for the past few years, I've been really blank at that question, not really knowing how to embrace it. I remember starting out in January, the first weekend in January, and literally preaching to you, thank you for following Moses into the desert and doing circles because we have no idea where the promised land is, just that God's got a promise for us, you know? But I need to, if you'll just bear with me till we hear from God and know. I mean, I could have walked, um, I feel like Moses could have said, yeah, we're supposed to go this way. But I don't think he ever said, when I read the Bible, he never said that. 
He just said confidence, and this is what God said for right now, and it's enough. I love that about Moses, by the way. Maybe that's why he's called the friend of God, that it was just enough. When God told him things, it was just enough. And so, you know, we, we walked in circles, but that didn't mean we didn't do anything, right? I mean, uh, quite the contrary. Actually, over the last couple of years, um, we financially supported ministries uh, whose sole mission is uh, to help out men and women with drug and alcohol addiction. I mean, we have supported Open Door uh, financially. We've supported Joshua, finance, Joshua House financially. Even bought them brand new uh, uh, washer and dryer this past year. And you know what? They, that, that house has got men in it now. It's up and running. And, and Open Door does a fantastic job. They got some of probably the best numbers uh, uh, of successes uh, statistically that I've ever seen probably of any ministry, uh, which is pretty incredible when you look at the leadership that's leading that thing it shows you that they're doing an outstanding job there and that that's a ministry worth investing into i believe in the joshua house as well and i want to keep and continue to invest in those things we made numerous donations to the helping center as a matter of fact good job michael who donated my time to come pick up cans (laughs) that's great when the youth pastor can do that to the senior pastor right hey pastor i spoke for you and said that you would come get cans and take them to the helping center. Thank you, Michael. I think God just blessed you, Michael, with the truck. But somehow we need mine. Okay. But we help out the helping center, and we love the helping center. They do a lot of great work. Um, we've sowed seed after seed in families, both in the church and outside the church. Why? Because we're family. Everybody knows what it's like to need help. That's just part of life, right? We've helped with monthly bills. We've bought groceries for people. We've provided places to stay. We've paid for literally weeks, uh, or not weeks, but at least a week, up to a week at hotels for families that are homeless. Uh, in between things, some house burnt down, things like that that happen. We've tried to help out a lot. Our, our women's ministry's done a great job there in, in helping out families. We've written two checks for, for, for a total of $18,000 to help our local veterans. Man, that's an incredible feat. That's an incredible feat. Um, all of that money, uh, half went to uh, the Hearth Foundation and half went to the Military War Support Foundation out of San Antonio. Hearth is out of Buchanan. Uh, both of those earmarked to help out veterans from these counties. Earmarked to help out veterans from our counties. And I can tell you they're doing it. They're doing a great job. Uh, and, and, you know, as January begins, you'll be hearing more about Help for Heroes because we have got to ramp up this year. Uh, Help for Heroes, one of the things that we want to do with it is we really want it to run on its own. So no matter what that check is going to be when we write it out, it is what it's going to be. We're not going to add to it any, any other way. We're going to decide what we're going to donate to that, and then that's going to be it. Now, in the past, that hadn't been that way. We've kind of helped fund that thing and push that thing, but we need that thing to run on its own because God has a work for us, and I'm going to get into that more. Y'all already kind of know what that is. We're going to continue to partner with Fellowship of Christian Athletes, whether it's through supporting their breakfast meetings, uh, whether you realize it or not, whether it's Michael or myself, we've been asked to preach a lot at breakfast meetings and stuff like that and come in and talk to kids. And uh, uh, I always get asked to do the middle school and uh, uh, apparently Michael says, it, it, I said, why don't they just get you to do some of these? And he goes, well, I'll do some of them. He says, but they like it when you come. You're always like bring this warrior thing. And they're always, uh, they love the athletes, love all that stuff. Um, and also uh, for the last two years, we provided all the worship for uh, Fields of Faith, which is their October event where the whole community gathers and all the, all the youth groups gather together, which is honestly, which is where this whole vision came for a facility uh, for the next generation. Um, We've uh, helped and supported the school 
other churches even, uh, 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 even local pastors, uh, and by local I mean Highland Lakes area pastors, we've invested into them, we've purchased books for them, anything that will help them learn leadership, anything that will help them grow, we are about the next generation, well let me tell you something, you reach the next generation by also reading the, those who are leading the next generation, right? Now one of the greatest avenues that I've found influence in this, in this community area, Highland Lakes area, is by investing into youth pastors, which by the way, don't get invested into hardly ever by their own churches, um, Man, it's allowed us influence uh, with these youth pastors because they see we care. We're not asking anything from them. We're, if anything, we're encouraging them to grow. We're encouraging them to support their senior pastor and the staff that's there. We're just trying to help them learn how to lead, right? Because good leadership is what the next generation needs. And if anything, I want to invest in, in anybody who's going to be long-term. I'm going to tell you, I'm fighting for young people to learn how to sit in one spot for a long time. Uh, that's going to be the difference between successful ministry and a successful future and, and one that's not. We've got to teach the millennial how to stay, how to stay, how to stay rooted. Uh, I remember uh, uh, Spurgeon one time saying that how can the apple grow if he keeps pulling up its roots and moving the tree from place to place? You can't grow fruit that way. You just can't. Your roots are never settled in the ground long enough to produce fruit. Right? We, need, we need pastors who are gonna, and people who are going to plant their roots and grow fruit. And grow fruit. All right, so we, we continue. We're going to keep helping them, right? Uh, we even help local businesses. Uh, you know, we, we, uh, we get this place for free. But we, all, we, we do write Janet a check from time to time. And while we, we have kind of agreed as to amount, I've been a little generous in that area because I feel like what they've given us is so great. Um, for instance, I know the last time I wrote a check, all of a sudden there mysteriously was a sign out front that said tea time, which I'm so happy for her. I want her business to grow. I want our church to be like the Joseph in her life, right? That to Joseph to Potiphar, you know, that when he let Joseph run his affairs, what happened to his affairs? They boomed, right? I, I love the idea that if we ever left here, the first thing Janet would say, man, was while they were here, I was blessed tremendously while they were here. My company was good. Everything was great while they were here. And so I, I definitely want to leave that impression. Now, none of this is to our credit. Let me just say that right off the bat, right? It's 100% God. 100% God. It's all His glory because it's all His finances. It's none of ours. It's, it's all His people. It's His purpose that is being carried out through us. And how wonderful is that, right? That, that we're used by the hand of God to do the works of God, right? It's cool, cool, yeah. But this is the past, right? What about tomorrow and the day after that? One of the things that I think I've grown, I think it's come from getting older is learning uh, uh, that we must honor the past. I don't think we do it enough. And I, I know the next generation doesn't. I was reminded that when I saw Star Wars, by the way, it doesn't honor any past. And I thought, man, I'm old now. I'm old now when I'm like, why isn't it done the way it was done? Right? That like spirit came out of me. And I was like, man, maybe I'm old now. Like maybe that was the sign, right? But listen, I think we do. I think we honor the past. The only way to move forward is to recognize what has happened, give glory to God in what has happened, and then start to move forward to, to something greater, something newer, right? Because God always has these seasons. That the time of Moses is great. But there's another time coming, right? I mean, there's this whole other time coming. God uh, has a future and a plan. And uh, and I think it involves believing that he's going to use us to accomplish his will. So for 2018, this is the very thing we're faced with. We honor yesterday while looking, 
you know, forward to tomorrow, and this leads us into the book of Joshua this morning. So if you want to turn to Joshua this morning, we'll be in chapter 1. Joshua, he, he's placed in this unique position by God as you're, as you're turning there. Moses has just shown the children of Israel the land that God has promised them, and he's led them through this like whole period of waiting, but now uh, uh, was the time for action. But this is where Moses' days ends. That season was over. He was there to lead them out of slavery and towards something greater. That was his purpose. His purpose is not to live in the promise. How crazy is that? Moses, I'm going to show you with your eyes why you led them out of slavery. But that's as far as your journey goes. Right? He was there to head them towards the promise. That was his purpose. He fulfilled what God had purposed him to do. Now it was time for a new season with new leadership. Joshua 1, verses 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I've given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north. From the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Powerful words. Nothing like... uh, he went from sitting outside the tent listening to God speak to Moses to inside the tent now before the Lord. Seasons change. The death of Moses, came, it became a new season. And, and it isn't really new. It's kind of pretty standard. But that doesn't make any seasonal change easy. I'm not sure that change ever is. The easiest way to recognize seasonal change is usually this, when people come in and out of our life. It's not seasonal change because my transmission, right? My transmission just went out. But when I lose people that have been dear to me for a long time, seasons change. It's just seasons change. It's hard. It's not, it's not, it's not easy. Um, when Joy and I left Terrell, we left a group of friends that we had grown very dear with. We'd done a lot of ministry with and had gotten to the place where we all hung out at each other's homes and, and watched each other's kids grow. We have all these pictures with their kids and and we had all these teenagers that it's funny now because we're Facebook friends with them and they're just now having kids. And it's just neat to watch them because we knew them when they were like 15 and, and just they're, it's funny. And, and that was our family. And then we moved out here and we didn't know anybody. God said move. And we had to leave everything we held dear, everything we loved there and go, okay, God, because something is greater. You're telling us to do something. We're going to respond in obedience and we're going to go do it, Right. And, and you know what we found? We found that we had family there, and we found that we had family here. Both that we would grow close to, both that we would love. There was some difficulty at the beginning. 
there always is, right? When we first got here, there was all kinds of life transitions. We had to transition from a 2,000-square-foot home with a, a swimming pool that cost us 800 bucks to a 1,000-square-foot home that cost us 800 bucks. Glorious Marble Falls. <laughs> you know, and, and, and um, within eight or no, within 10 months, the pastor that hired me left. And I didn't know what to do. It was the first church I'd ever been at where I'd worked at staff full-time. And, and I was like, I don't, I don't know <laughs> what to do. And uh, they're like, well, if you want to leave, you can leave. And I'm like, God's not telling me to leave. So we're going to sit fast and we're going to hold still and see what God wants to do. And can I tell you, that was 2009 and I have no regrets. None. Transitions happen. Things happen. Life isn't easy, but that's okay. Seasons change, and with the seasons come different things, new, new hope, new greater things. Yeah, there's some challenges, but it's okay. Hope and dreams and vision God gives us, they outweigh these challenges. They make the challenges worth it, right? This is why you don't, like, give stuff away, right? Like, we, you know, my parents made me, you know, like, buy my first car, and, and you, had, you had to earn this, right? Why? Because you would respect it more. You worked hard for it. You, you got it, right? And, like, there's some things that with hardship and with challenges, with adversity, we, we embrace, and we, we become hold passionate to it. Why do you think that we have such traditions that we're so passionate about? Man, I'm going to tell you, there's some churches, if we ain't singing a hymn, we're just the devil worshipers, man. Why? Because they hold fast what it felt like to get saved in that moment and that by the way that's awesome because if you can hear a song that makes you just reverberate that same feeling that it felt like when it got to get saved praise god i'd have that thing on repeat all the time right it'd be like a soul revival every day for me i'd listen to it every day but can i tell you there's also something greater that's why time keeps moving it doesn't allow you to sit in the past they're great memories but we have to keep moving forward and I've never said new seasons are going to be easy, and I don't think God says it either. Uh, especially look at, look at Joshua's case uh, where the death of his friend and his mentor, come on, that must have been hard. But life doesn't even allow Joshua to sit still and weep. He didn't even have a mourning opportunity hardly before God's speaking to him and say, get up, time to go to work, Right? immediately were pressed into the life and the challenges of the Jewish people in Joshua. The promise is out there. They can see it. It's more tangible than it's ever been. And this wasn't the case under Moses' leadership. He just talked about it. Now under Joshua's leadership, we can see it. We can start to visualize what it's going to look like. Moses had guided them through the wilderness, and he had reminded them of the promises of God, but they'd actually never seen it all. They had to trust him. They had to exercise their faith. They had to believe without seeing it. And there's a season for faith to be the only thing you walk in. Moses told them that God had a plan for them that he had a promise but he didn't have like this he didn't have like a powerpoint presentation he didn't have photos or slides or anything like that which it would have been awesome i'm sure you could have said this is a the the promised land you know i mean it'd been nice to have some slides right all he said was this it's a land flowing with milk and honey <laughs> what's funny is that's all you had to say back then to sell it that's it land flowing with milk and honey boom i've been working for the egyptians we've never seen anything like that right that's automatically greater than anything I've been sold so far. They had to trust Moses, and most did, but they faced a lot of hardships. God used the waiting process of that season to weed out those who weren't like-minded and those who didn't believe. And when the time was right, the season changed, and just like that, 
It was time for change. It wasn't easy in the days of Moses, and the seasonal change of leadership isn't going to bring something like this easier transition as well. As a matter of fact, it's going to make people question what they've been waiting for. It's because of this that the tone God takes with Joshua is one of encouragement. He's trying to give him an attaboy. He's reminding Joshua that what God had promised Moses, he would also honor with Joshua. You remember what he says? He says, I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. It was time to step into the promise now. Talk was over. It was time for action. It was time to press forward. It's time to face whatever challenges that would come their way and believe that God would be with them the way he was with Moses. It's time to walk by faith and not by sight. Listen, I'm, I'm reminded as we press into the next season of Mosaic Community Church that God is with us today just like he was in the days of Moses and just like he was in the days of Joshua. I'm reminded that nothing is given. Man, I wish it was. And even the promises of God, they're not just given. As a matter of fact, they're taken by faith. I don't think we understand that at times. I, in, the, in the world of name it and claim it, the promises of God are out there, yes, but we take them by faith. They come with hardship. They come with trial. They come with us having to face things. I can expect delays when I chase the promise of God. I can expect adversity when I chase the promises of God. I can expect loss. I can expect hardship. Just because God gives us a task doesn't mean we, we aren't going to have to work for it. Let's get that one straight now. We're going to have to work for everything we do. <laughs> what it means is that God has given us exactly what we need to accomplish our goal. And the rest is worked out by faith. I have to believe that when God showed me the missing, the thousands of missing students, a couple thousand missing in that stadium in October, and he began to speak to my heart about building a facility where, where these 2,000 that are missing can come because they won't enter into a church because we live in the Bible Belt where everything is false that they hear about church in the first place, all right? And some things are unfortunately true but we're going to provide a safe place for those 2,000 that are missing and show them a side of us they've never seen. We're going to do what hadn't been done to reach who's never reached because we have to. We have to. Why? The future, the future is at stake. <laughs> we said in the beginning here at this church that we wanted to be part of a miracle work, and I believe God is going to take us there. We asked for it. So he's going to give it. We wanted something impossible, so he has given it. However, like Joshua, uh, there's going to be some challenges that we're going to face along the way. Better believe it. Like Joshua, we are going to be challenged in being kingdom-minded. It all sounds easy to be kingdom-minded, but it's probably one of the hardest things we do in church, especially because we're just Americanized to church. We have denominations, so we become loyal to those. We have pastor friends, so we become loyal to those. We have, but the thing is, make no mistake, this is where I get into this whole shepherd thing. Well, these pastors are shepherds. No, they're like the shepherd. They're ambassadors of reconciliation that work for the great shepherd. There's only one shepherd, and the Bible's pretty clear about who that is. That's Jesus Christ. Being kingdom-minded, being loyal to Jesus first, everything else is second. Everything else is second. Jesus, the Lord. I believe with all my heart that God wants us to reach the next generation, 
To do that, we're going to build a facility where they can hang out. We're going to sanctify that building with the work of prayer and our sweat. We're going to work it. And God is going to do something with the next generation that's not just going to benefit our community, but it's possibly going to benefit our whole country. Come on, we have the Manzano Mile. Why? Because some lonely kid out here in Marble Falls managed to make it all the way to the Olympics and make a name for himself. Don't think that that one, some kid from Marble Falls that's had an impact growing up here can't reach somewhere else or the United States or a Congress or a Senate or anything else. You know, I was talking with Barney Sarver with Fields of uh, Faith and Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I don't know if you're aware of it, but his daughter, which is strange to know somebody, but his own daughter is running for a Texas representative. So just seeing that these kids, they grow up, and you just don't know who you're talking to one day and what kind of greatness they're going to be. But we're going to sanctify, and we're going to work hard, and we're going to do something that's going to benefit the next generation. Most church plants like us, they build churches. That's what they do. It's okay. They build a building or they build a house for themselves. But I believe God has called us to build something for someone else. Now listen, I believe he's called us to build this for them first, and for us second. To do that, it's going to require a kingdom mentality. That means that the kingdom of God must come first and that we will come second. We have to be selfless in that we, what we're doing now, we're not doing for us, but what we do, we do it for the lost. To reach a generation uh, uh, in the hope that they might find what we have found which is forgiveness and hope and a future in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you, I deal with a lot of them that don't have it. As somebody who bought a Christmas gift for a girl in a drug and rehabilitation place in Kansas who could not come home for Thanksgiving, who could not come home for Christmas because she has uh, made bad, extremely bad choices at the age of 14, has a dad that doesn't want her and a mom that can't figure out how to raise her, and, and is living out there, she's not like, I would say like most like drug addicts or whatever. She's somebody who's made bad choices and can, apparently will continue to make bad choices and she'll, until all that changes. But there's so many of them here in Marble Falls just like her. So many. They will not come to church. They will not come to church because you know what they see and they can't process. You know when the good thing about being an adult is? You've seen a little bit of life you know that there's going to be some hypocrites at church. You also know that the only place a hypocrite can come and be loved is church. So you have a little forgiveness there in that. Kids don't understand that. Kids see other kids that go to church and go, well, they're all about Jesus and they act all goody and they're all good in front of you because they know how to talk the church lingo. But then they go back to school and they're not that way and kids don't know how to process that but any other way then they're hypocrites. I don't want nothing to do with that. That ain't Jesus. I don't know what Jesus is but if that's Jesus, I don't want nothing to do with it. And then what we tolerate, because we tolerate it, and we don't deal with it or address it, even as youth ministers, as pastors in our church, it's just they run with that, and that's all they know, and that's what the next generation believes. We have to be kingdom-minded. We have to be kingdom-minded. We have to teach them about forgiveness and hope in the future. And, and listen, it's not natural. It's, it's natural really to only think about ourselves. It's natural to only be about our personal interests. But we're not normal, are we? Look at this place. We're in a restaurant, guys. <laughs> Come on, man. The Bible calls us a peculiar people. Who does that? Who builds a building for kids? Don't you need a church? Don't you need a building where you can just do your stuff and then hope they come to you? I just don't see that in the Bible. 
You know what I see in the Bible? Do whatever God tells you to do, that obedience equals love, that God loves obedience more than he loves sacrifice. That's what I see. So I'm going to be about the lost. Why? Because I'm found. And I'm going to try to save every soul I can before I go. And I'm going to tell you right now, if anything from one year to the next speaks to my heart about, it's that time is fast and it's moving and I never can stop it for anything I try. My wife will tell you, uh, uh, people I work with will tell you, I struggle sleeping. I was up at 2.45 this morning. I was up at 4.45 this morning. I was up at 5.30. About 6.45, I finally got up. Why? Because I think sleeping is a waste of time. Because You know why? Because I feel death coming upon me all the time. I feel that my life only has a certain amount of time or an extension to it. I feel like God's already rescued me from dying in my 20s. So anything I got now in life is bonus. All right? And because I feel like my life is short and my time on earth is short, I am bent about doing the work and the will of the Lord and saving as many as I can along the way. God built a house for everybody else. Not for himself. He built a house for everybody else. And that's what we're going to do. We're a peculiar people. God calls us a set-apart people. You know what I was called uh, uh, one time about four or five years ago? A guy pulled me in the hallway of a church, and he says, Jim, God gave me a word for you. And I said, well, I'm, I'm ready. He goes, God said you got a different heart. <laughs> I didn't know what to think about that. And he says, and know this, that, that God also said he's going to give you a people that have a different heart as well. That will be able to do the things that you're called to do. Well, amen. amen. So here, when we, we used to say, you know, we didn't want to like be weird about it. But when we first started the church, we wanted to say we're a different church for a different kind of people. Because that's what I am. I, that's what I am. I have a different heart about the way things are. I have a different heart. I, I love traditional church. Don't get me wrong. I love all the music the church has just about ever done, unless it's selfish music and I got nothing to do with it. But I love most everything the church does. I love traditional church. I love when you go in and you see the pews. I love pews. I love all this stuff. I, but here's the thing is, I don't care about none of that stuff. You know what I care about is people being saved, people knowing Jesus, people living their life in obedience to God, becoming disciples of Christ. That's what changes a nation, not pretty churches. We got a ton of pretty churches. Our nation's not changing, guys. <laughs> it would do us some good right now just to do some straight up hardcore evangelism and discipleship. And that's what we're in store for. But know this, we're going to face adversity like Joshua. We, he faced adversity. We're going to face adversity. Therefore, this building that we build, it better be built on prayer. Jesus said his house was a house of prayer, not of miracles, not of programs, not of just great worship. He said, a house of prayer. If this building that we're going to build is to fulfill all that God is asking, then it must be led by a prayerful people. No, ex no exceptions. It must be led by a prayerful people. I think the most wonderful thing I can say about our church, maybe as a people, is that I believe that we're a people of prayer. With all my heart, I believe we're a people of prayer. When my transmission went out, it was the mosaic redneck army came to my call. All of Marble Falls started calling me. And all I can think of is I'm in Dallas with millions of people, and my little small town is more ready to help me than anybody in Dallas. And I'm going to tell you, if that's not family, I don't know what is. I really don't. This, we are a prayerful people. To commune with God is a high calling. How can there be a relationship with anyone we don't talk to? How can we be saved unless we also pray? 
building directed to the next generation will only be a building. But when we begin to pray for every soul that enters it, when we begin to line the walls with prayer, when we begin to pray against everything that might come against it, it becomes something more. You know what it becomes? It becomes a holy place. A place where God can be found and where God's spirit resides. And this is a gift, not only to the generation that will receive it, right, who we're aiming at, but it becomes a gift to us as well because we start to see it as a holy place. We start to see it as a place where the lost come in. We start to see the place where the, where the next generation gets the, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and meet God. I wrote in my notes that this place will be much like an Ebenezer's. I thought about calling this place that. I still like the idea. Ebenezer, in, if, you, if you're familiar with your Bible, happens in the Word takes place uh, in, I believe, 1 Samuel. And it's the prophet Samuel has just conquered a, a battle. God has won a battle with the Philistines. And so that they would be reminded of this battle and this victory that's won, Samuel takes stones and he puts them on the ground and he creates this little monument. And he goes, we're going to call this place Ebenezer, which means here unto the Lord has helped us. So that every time we walk through here and we see this place, we will know that God helps us. It will be the encouragement, the beacon, the lighthouse, whatever you want to call it, that God is doing a work, that God is victorious. It is a reminder of where we come from and where we head and who we walk with. Amen? Amen. Man, and isn't that our banner here? I hope so. Well, like Joshua, we're going to face trials and tribulations. Nothing comes easy. Joshua faced war after war. It's... I always think the first chapter when everybody tries to tell you, look, look how God wants you to be strong and courageous. Yeah, because you're about to go fight and get bloody. I mean, it's, it's crazy, right? Did you notice that four times God spoke to Joshua to be strong and courageous? Four times. There's no doubt in my mind that, that we're going to face a war. To get this done, it's going to be hard. Maybe not a physical war, but definitely a spiritual war. In reaching the next generation, we chance the possibility of changing our future. We do. There's no way we won't be challenged by spiritual forces or by sin. No, it's going to happen. So we must be a people who are well-versed in the armor of God. We have to remember that, we're not, that we aren't fighting amongst ourselves, but we're fighting a spirit that weeds itself through division and disunity. But we're stronger than that. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Remember, the whole purpose of a congregation or a group of believers is that we can encourage and build up one another. That's why the, some of the things that we hold fast here to, like Wednesday nights where we sit around and eat and we talk for about 45 minutes and we hang out and we laugh and we hear about everybody's kids and how everybody's day went. The reason that's so important because that's what allows us to be built up and to encourage one another. We need each other. We need each other. And for 2018, we're going to need each other more than ever. Just know it. We've built a family here, and you have a purpose in this family. Like Joshua, we'll live on hope and vision. We know what we have to do. We're just not sure how it all takes place. Like Joshua, we can see the promise, but there are a lot of things in the way. Right? <laughs> 
but we're going to rest in God. Remember that the Lord told Joshua, I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on the land I've given you. No one will be able to stand against you. I will not fail or abandon you. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either from the right to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study, study, study the book of instruction continually. Meditate on it. Think about it on day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Ministry keeps moving. I know what we have to do, but we have to continue to do the things that we've already been doing. Well, how do we do both? Welcome to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit allows us, I love Acts 1-8 where it says the power of the Holy Spirit will come on us to do what? To reach three different areas, right? Our city, our neighboring city, and then the world. God, that's a whole lot. I know. That's why I'm sending you the Holy Spirit because you can't do it yourself. All right. If you're not going to reach everywhere, if you're not going to stretch yourself out and do the things God's called you to do, why do you need the Holy Spirit? Right? I don't know about you, but being Pentecostal, I kind of love the Holy Spirit. I've loved the interaction of the Holy Spirit in my life. I love the interaction of the Holy Spirit into my, uh, 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 I don't want to call it, like my, my, the inside of me, like the spirit side of me where it bears witness with the Lord when I try to have conversations with God and where I'm really arguing God. And, and, and God is speaking to me and, and, and basically correcting me and, and telling me how to do things or what to do. I, I love the work of, of the Holy Spirit in my life, but ministry keeps moving. We keep moving forward. We have to figure out a way to accomplish what is ahead while maintaining good ministry as we're going. The word still must be preached. We must still evangelize the gospel. We must continue to invest into the places that we're already investing into. We have to be able to lead the community in this direction also. Most importantly, we must be a beacon and a steadfast rock for those looking for grace and forgiveness. When we first started Mosaic, this ministry was built around the idea of a ragamuffin. Now, a ragamuffin is someone who knows intimately how helpless they are. That they've done nothing to earn or deserve the love and grace of Jesus Christ. And yet we're forgiven. And we walk now in that forgiveness. And we can accept others because we know how we were forgiven. We will always be a place of second chances. Always. While also trying to walk the tightrope of discipleship and godly fellowship. What does that mean? That means you're always going to get another chance to do the thing, do the right thing. But you'll also be held to accountability. Being held to accountability means we love you. Not we see something wrong and we're pointing it out. No, we're trying to help you follow the word. We're going to love you regardless if you struggle in that change or not. We've all been there. We've all said something that we promised at one time, and we totally broke the promise. We know how it's like to promise God we're never going to do it again, and we totally do it again. We all know it, so we walk in forgiveness. Some days we're going to do better than others, but I never want us to stray too far from the grace of God. We need to be reminded from time to time where we come from. This is where we started, and we'll always be the ragamuffins here. It's okay. We're just a little church that meets inside this restaurant, and that's okay, but we serve a big God. We're not limited by the size of our people or the size of our building. We're limited by the size of our faith. That, that, that should be preached. I could preach a whole sermon on that one. 
let's, let's be reminded about where we came from. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Those who indulge in sexual sin, who worship idols or commit adultery or male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheap people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And listen, he goes, some of you were once like that. He's talking to the church. All of these people, all of these people groups are in the church when he's talking to them. Some of these are you. But now you're cleansed. You're made holy. You were made right by God, right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. Some of you were once like that. And this is where grace comes, knowing that you're not better than anyone. You're just forgiven. You're saved. In the end, the mission of our church, it never changes. We're still about advancing the gospel by returning to the Lord. This is the base foundation for us. We are always going to be about some of these for us, remembering where we come from. If we will root ourselves in understanding our depravity and understanding God's forgiveness towards our depravity, right? We are never going to have a problem with traditions. We're never going to have a problem loving lost people because we'll realize we too were once like them. We just need Jesus. How many of you know every lost person plus Jesus is awesome? Okay. I mean, they just need Jesus. Sprinkle a little Jesus. It's going to be good. Right? It turns every state great. We're going to always be about the simplicity of God, the simplicity of Jesus. So for